How much is the Cato Daily Podcast worth to you? We certainly enjoy putting it together for you, and we know from all the positive feedback that it's an important part of many of our listeners' days. If you value our distinctly libertarian perspective, I hope you'll consider joining our new podcast sponsor program. If you visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor, you can learn about various levels of support and the benefits you'll enjoy as a Cato sponsor. For example, if you become a patron sponsor by giving $1,000 or more, I'll personally thank you on the podcast, and you'll get the regular benefits of being a Cato patron as well. If you prefer, you can donate in a friend or family member's name as well. It's the perfect gift for someone who values liberty but has everything else. Learn more about the benefits of becoming a podcast sponsor at cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 19, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has released the administration's national security strategy document. Cato Institute's Trevor Thrall says he's learned that these documents in general don't usually provide much insight about how actual national security planning gets done. He comments. What have we come to expect from presidential speeches about national security? I think when when presidents introduce new national security strategy documents or talk big picture about national security and foreign policy, they are usually quite vague. They talk in glittering generalities. They very often say um, little of substance. And I think, you know, that was mostly true today um, when Trump spoke. I mean, he, he talked about you know, the new security strategy, but in, in a way that, you know, um, doesn't really give you a sense of what Trump, the man, is actually uh, going to do in the next year or so. Okay. So w- what's different about this? Well, I mean, I think just to back up a second, I think, you know, the, the thing that's curious with national security strategy documents is that they are both a reflection of the people who write them uh, because, you know, after all, this is their chance to explain to you you know, at least generally, where they're coming from on national security and, and what they think generally should be the guiding principles of U.S. foreign policy. But at the same time, no one thinks they actually reflect what policy is going to look like. So, you know, you always take these things with a grain of salt, uh, number one. And then number two, the other thing is that, you know, despite each administration putting its imprint on national security strategy, you know, the, the big things rarely change very much. And so I think we have mostly continuity actually, between Trump's national security strategy and, and some of the, you know, previous several. And then they have a few a few new things. So I think the continuity comes in the embrace of primacy. Um, Trump, in his speech, called for a massive military buildup, you know, yet again. And that is, uh, you know, comments like that are sort of strewn throughout the document that we're going to have. Uh, you know, we already have the world's best military, but it's going to be even more better. Uh, we're going to compete to prevent rivals from emerging in every region of the world. Uh, we're going to compete with Russia. We're going to compete with China. Uh, and military force is sort of the the first and only thing that's really ever talked about in the document. There's a little hand-waving at allies, um, again, as other security documents have suggested. But, but mostly, I think, you know, an embrace of primacy is the number one piece of continuity you see. Uh, to put this into context, uh, trade is an underappreciated uh, foreign policy tool, 
And this president has a starkly different view of trade than even even President Obama, who who sort of had a similar view with respect to it being a uh, zero-sum game. But this president views it as either you're winning or you're losing at trade. Trump Trump's economic uh, concerns are, the, I think, the biggest one of two big differences between the Trump doctrine, if you will, and and previous doctrines or security strategy documents. Yeah, Trump has um, it sort of, again, as you read the, the document itself, which I hope no one will do, but um, it is clear he is very concerned about the U.S. getting suckered on trade. I mean, it's, it's actually sort of jumps off the page in a couple of places uh, that one of Trump's main concerns is that someone else might be getting a better deal than the United States when it comes to trade. And so there is way more focus on um, trade, not free trade, but fair trade uh, in, in their language in the document than any other uh, security strategy that I'm aware of. Um, and then the other piece that's very different is uh, his focus on immigration and the borders. All right. So what does he view as the substantial national security risk at our border? <laughs> I think the the two things for Trump that you know he points to over and over again, um, one is that the threat, uh, the physical harm that immigrants do to Americans, whether it's murder or some other form of assault or the fact that they might be terrorists, depending on where they're coming from. And then the second piece, and this is another thing that sort of uh, travels through this national security strategy document is th the threat to America's quote-unquote way of life. Um, there's a lot of discussion in the document about you know the American way of life and our institutions and I think our culture, if you will, and I think Trump um, seems to really feel that that is a national security threat. All right. So, so that's a clear – it seems to be a clear example of uh, – Moving the goalpost on what constitutes a national security threat. Oh, absolutely. That that's it, at best we would have called that you know just sort of homeland security before. Or, and to me, it's a, you know something that uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't have an encyclopedic memory for these documents, but I cannot remember one that comes anywhere close to calling immigration, illegal or otherwise, a national security threat. I mean, it might be a threat to many things, but to national security, the existence of the United States, I don't think so. Yeah, it, stri it strikes me immigration, it, it, even if you assume, as uh, the, the president does, that uh, immigrants are disproportionately bad actors, that doesn't involve any kind of strategy. It doesn't involve any kind of coordination. Right. It's not – there's not a, a, a state, you know, sponsoring immigration to the United States for the purposes of destabilizing and overthrowing the United States. It, it's hard to see how this really fits into a national security strategy at all. Uh, but it does fit in, a, in the broader sense to Trump's America first doctrine, which has always been – and, you know, frankly, that's the genius of it a, – a mishmash, a mashup of domestic and foreign concerns into this one nationalist – under this one nationalist umbrella. It makes it easy for him to talk about very different things but stay on sort of his brand message, if you will. Does he reconcile at all the attempts uh, to punish China for issues relating to trade or currency manipulation and getting China to help the United States with respect to North Korea? No, I don't think so. I don't think Trump that seems to be like that, that that ought to be one of the biggest concerns right now for that administration. Yes, I think you know Trump has called 
on the you know the Chinese for all manner of things, um, including uh, help with potential you know conflict in North Korea, um, without um, really offering China much in the way of of a reason to cooperate. Um, he's done a lot of complaining, but not much in the way of of laying out why they should do what we want. What what should this document include? I mean, what what should be the the priorities for a document that that lays out national security? I, I'm not a big fan of these documents. I think, um, you know, they they have to be pretty vague. They have to be pretty broad. Um, they should res, they should reflect, you know, in just the biggest senses. Here are the threats we think the United States faces. Uh, here's generally why they arise, and here's the general approach. You know, we're going to take to dealing with them. Uh, and, you know, you, you can never say all the details, and that's fine. Um, this one's actually pretty long. It says a lot, uh, too many things, probably. Um, but, you know, the fact is, is that these documents have never been um, the final word. They've never been, a, you know, as I said, they've never been a very good reflection of what actual policy looks like. And so I, I don't, I think worrying too much about the document is probably a mistake. And presumably that was true years ago with previous presidents as well? Yes. Always a mistake. Some, I mean, you know, sometimes more vague and more useless than others, um, you know, and it, it, sometimes you can't know, I guess, until, you know, looking in the rearview mirror a, a little, you know, down the road, whether or not there was anything in the document that you might have used as a, as a, a, a sign or an indicator that some kind of change was coming or, or so on. Uh, but, you know, other than the Bush um, 2002 National Security Strategy document, which sort of baked into U.S. strategy, the notion of, of um, prevention, preventive war, uh, we're actually going to go to war with people to prevent terrorism before they do anything to us. That, that was the only sort of really big smoking gun that I can remember appearing in a national security strategy where you're like, wow, uh, that's a big difference. And that probably means something. Uh, but beyond that, I, most of these things are, are sort of too generic to worry about. So no specific language with respect to Iran uh, you know, the other, I mean, nothing new that Trump hasn't said in public already. No. I mean, he, they've identified Iran rather than, you know, Israel or any other actor as the sort of the, the main problem uh, in the Middle East that motivates uh, American attention, um, you know, along with the need to stabilize uh, oil flow and, and that sort of thing. But nothing specific, uh, you know, just other than calling them an, a rogue actor. Again, nothing different from Bush's uh, national security strategies, frankly, or, or Obama's. Um, don't want them getting nukes. Don't want them, uh, you know, expanding their influence too much and undermining American interests in the Middle East. You know that sort of thing. I, I think this was mostly a campaign speech for Trump. Uh, it, it wasn't very much about the policy details because he doesn't know much about them. He doesn't care much about them. Uh, so you know, he, he mentioned his um, election victory in the first minute and a half of the speech, and then went on to complain about how bad. Obama and others had left things for him and then sort of made a bunch of vague hand-waving gestures about how he was going to clean it all up. Don't you worry about it. That For him, that's the big win for the day is to be able to look presidential and say those things. The details are irrelevant. No one's going to read the document. Trevor Thrall is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. This holiday season, consider supporting the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more of the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.